Today on the Inland Journal podcast, we'll spend some time with two Spokane doctors who've been very involved with the care of COVID patients. Doctors Dan Getz and Ben Arthurs briefed reporters on Wednesday about the situations in their respective hospitals when it comes to treating people who are battling the coronavirus. Getz is the chief medical officer at Providence Sacred Heart. Dr. Ben Arthurs is a pulmonologist and intensivist for MultiCare. In this podcast, we'll hear excerpts as the two of them talk with reporters about what they've seen and what they expect to see during the next few weeks. We start with Dr. Getz. People often have significant lag time of a week to two weeks to three weeks before they become ill enough to require hospitalization. And what we've seen in our data is pretty enlightening in that if, if predictions follow true, we may be at a point where our incidence of this disease exceeds what was in Snohomish County in March, where they were overwhelmed. And I suspect we're going to see a double in our hospitalizations. The literature shows that there's probably 10 to 12 people that actually have the disease for every one that we report. And that's great. That the vast majority of those people aren't sick. But what's concerning is those people then spread those diseases to other people. And we use a number called r naught that Dr. Letts alluded to, which is an indicator of infectivity. And r naught of one means that one person infects another one person, like you're playing tag and then that one person tags another person and then they're infected. Um, if we get our r naught below one, we should see reduced cases over time in our community where eventually you can stamp this disease out without a vaccine. What our current r naught value is, is 1.5, which means for every one person infected, they're infecting 1.5 more people who infect 1.5 more people. And so when you see that 81 cases, think in your head that could be 80 to 1,000 additional new people in our community that have that disease who are then going to go on to infect 1.5 people each. And it's just a matter of time before those people infect somebody who has significant illness that's going to have a hard time with this disease, which translates, you know, a week to three weeks later, a hospitalization. Um, You know, it's been great to get back to doing normal things, taking care of people that have had surgical procedures um, delayed due to the COVID outbreak. We are certainly in a spot now where we have capacity to continue taking care of those people. Um, we We have the amount of protective equipment that we feel that we need to keep our team safe. However, if we keep seeing doubling of these hospitalizations, we're going to reach a point where we saturate the beds in our community, especially our ICU beds across Holy Family, Sacred Heart, and the multi-care beds as well. And if we do that, we're going to be in a bad state. We're seeing that in in Yakima right now, where they're transferring patients out of their community to other communities to get care. And it's only a matter of time. If we see incidents like Yakima spreading to the rest of the state, well, where do you send those sick people? You don't have a place to send them. And that's when we really start seeing increasing death rates of not just people dying from COVID, but it's also people dying from heart attacks or strokes. This is Dr. Ben Arthurs from MultiCare. I mean, I can say from the MultiCare standpoint, we, we've really worked hand in hand with Providence in, in terms of crafting a regional surge plan and Dr. Lutz as well. Um, we have a lot of capacity to really expand our ICU capabilities in terms of bed space, ventilators, et cetera. I do think that again, bottlenecks oftentimes are personnel, especially with this disease. Um, but we also have surge plans in place with a lot of capacity to, you know, replace me if I'm out ill uh, and some of our nursing staff, et cetera. So we have plenty of surge capacity. We don't want to use it because that means we're taking away beds that should be utilized for someone who, you know, needs it for their elective surgery, which is not always just an insignificant surgery. I think Dr. Getz was, you know, mentioning to me, I, I also am a pulmonologist with Rockwood Clinic. So I deal with a lot of lung cancer and resecting a lung cancer is an elective procedure. It also carries a high risk of progressing to a fatal condition if you don't get it done within a certain time frame. So, I mean, this is, 
again, I, I think the surge capacity is there, but it's it's a little bit more complicated than just a number of beds. Yeah, I think that's point. It's a, it's a moving number. So although we have surge capacity now, and we may have it if we double in two weeks, if disease rates keep on doubling, we can't keep on doubling our surge capacity. And so we really do need to partner with the members of our community to help us take care of this disease. If the only disease that existed in the world was COVID, and we would be perfectly fine. We could fill up these places with COVID patients and get through this, but it becomes more challenging to take care of the, the numerous other diseases that continue to afflict people as we deal with this outbreak. Yeah, my comments there would be that, uh, number one, there has been somewhat of a shift in terms of practice for some of the respiratory failure in COVID. Early in March, there was a real motivation to intubate everybody and put them on a ventilator early regionally and New York City based on their experience, et cetera. That's not entirely the, uh, you know, the accepted best practice right now. So we manage a lot of these patients without ventilators. I suspect that our resources will become strained from something other than ventilators, given the number we have available. Um, so I, I don't think that's going to be the, uh, the bottleneck. If, if we really do double and quadruple in the coming month, it would probably be something else. You know, I'm not speaking positively of Ebola, but Ebola, you don't walk around asymptomatic for very long. You look horribly ill. When we're talking about COVID, that's the challenge. There's a huge amount of people that have very minimal symptoms. And we're in the midst of you know, uh, a summer. So there's pollen in the air, seasonal allergies. It's very easy to attribute symptoms of COVID if you're very healthy to having too much pollen in the air and not take appropriate precautions and accidentally infect another person. And that's what we're seeing. It's just a matter of time when our average age of people getting infected in the community is well under age 40, we're not going to see a huge number likely of hospitalizations from that group. But those people are going to continue to spread that virus on until it does reach a more vulnerable population. And that's when we're going to see the explosion of hospitalizations. We've heard from other doctors, I mean, this disease, Dr. Arthur's mentioned, it, it takes a long time, especially to get them through the hospital system. And then we reach that challenge of even if there's well enough that they don't require hospital level care, trying to get them into a rehab facility or a skilled nursing facility is very challenging um, because there's always that concern that these people are still infectious and they could transmit the diseases other, to others, as well as the amount of work that it takes to care for these COVID patients. You know, you have multiple um, rounds of PPE that you have to don and doff on multiple times per day and the burn rate of that is high. And then you need to have people that are trained to deal with this disease. It's a hugely resource intensive um, disease. You know, we do in, in certain cases in some of these intubated patients that have respiratory failure, we do what's called proning. So we flop them on their tummy and it's almost like tummy time for babies, but now it's tummy time for adults because it helps their lungs recover. And it can take five nurses to prone a patient who's a big patient. So you take the iterations of PPE, turning that patient on and off, and it's, it's a really horrible disease to care for from the fact of how much labor it takes to, to um, take care of. But Dr. Arthurs is a critical care specialist in an ICU. Um, you know, interested in hearing his perspective. You know, our experience has been that two weeks seems like the typical duration of stay. And again, my, my experience is predominantly based on the critical care the intensive care population. But in regional meetings with other ICU directors from King County, uh, Yakima, Tri-Cities, Wenatchee, et cetera, we're hearing very similar durations of ICU stays sort of across the state. Age over 60, comorbid kidney disease, diabetes, heart disease, et cetera, seems to be reflective of the uh, majority of patients, but certainly not all. We have had some young patients, we have had some pregnant patients. Um, the death rate, again, I just don't have a lot of experience and data from our own system yet. I'll let Dr. Getz take it from the Providence side. Yeah, you know, I think 
we've been fortunate in our communities and that we haven't been overwhelmed. So our death rates in our community are low, but there's certainly been handfuls of death. But you know, this question has been actually well documented in the medical literature where you can see, if you Google it, you'll get a bar graph that shows incidence of death by age. And you can see the 80 year old population up here and the 20 year old population down here. People that have multiple comorbidities, kidney disease, lung disease, heart disease, people that have cancer and are on drugs that suppress their immune system and they're getting chemotherapy. Those patients don't do well. Um, pregnant patients, you know, have challenges with this. People that are, that are carrying too much weight. Um, you know, this is a this is a disease that's bad for people that have BMIs over 30. You could have a 50-year-old that has multiple comorbidities where he may have a chance of death that exceeds a healthy 70-year-old. But you can see in really good stepwise progression that the older you get, the likelihood of death is much higher. I do want to make one other quick point, and, and this is reflective of, you know, some small anecdotal experience, but also what was uh, reported to me from the University of Washington. And I don't, don't hold me to statistics because I don't think they've published this or anything, but our conversations in May, they still had a lot of patients in their 70s and 80s who were surviving hospitalization and getting home. And so I just want to reiterate that just because your 80-year-old, you know, mother comes in with COVID in the hospital, it is not a certain death sentence, and we have had 90-year-olds survive to discharge. Um, it is a major illness to recover from at that age, but uh, certainly we see people even with comorbidities and advanced age who do survive. This is a community effort. If we want to see reduction in the rate of spread of this disease, it's really up to the behaviors that we model in the community. As, as it's been mentioned ad nauseum, social distancing, hand washing, and most importantly, masking are the ways to reduce this disease. And as we, we get ready to celebrate this 4th of July holiday, if you really wanna be a patriot, the most patriotic thing you can do right now is wear a mask and protect others in the community. Um, you know, I remember talking to my grandmother, talking about when she was in, in London during World War II and the different things that they did there, planting gardens and things like that. I mean, this is a small ask. Dr. Dan Getz is the Chief Medical Officer at Providence Sacred Heart in Spokane. Dr. Ben Arthurs is a pulmonologist for Multicare. They were speaking Wednesday at a press briefing. Thank you for joining us for this special Inland Journal podcast. You can hear past podcasts and read and hear our past news coverage about the Inland Northwest response to the coronavirus at spokanepublicradio.org. I'm Doug Nadvorning.